Welcome to the Elephant Dialogues. This is kind of a part two to last week's episode. We're going to continue talking about some LGBTQ issues. This week, I've got my friend Michael Johnson here with me. And where last week was mostly just about hearing Ken's story and understanding his experiences, today I think we'll get a little more into some of the social issues around gay rights and religion. The framework for this episode is asking good questions. One of my favorite quotes from a book called Crucial Conversations is this. At the very moment when people become furious, we need to become curious. And I'm not planning on this conversation turning furious, but I do think curiosity is a powerful tool for enabling good conversation. Good, earnest questions can help us to understand the other person, and they can often convey our own position without shutting down communication. My movie example this week comes from the greatest movie of all time, The Princess Bride. When faced with a man who is determined to kill him, the man in black turns to curiosity instead of escalating the situation. But I do not think you would accept my help, since I am only waiting around to kill you. That does put a damper on our relationship. I do not mean to pry, but you don't by any chance happen to have six fingers on your right hand. Do you always begin conversations this way? This simple question leads to a great conversation, (laughs) and eventually these men team up to save the princess and pretty much become best friends. So be like Wesley and practice using great questions to improve our conversations. A quick note about some terminology before we get into this discussion with Michael. Uh, We are both members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So when we talk about the church, we're referring specifically to that church. Uh, We also talk about something we refer to as the plan of salvation— Basically, this is God's roadmap for us from where our spirits existed before this life to what happens after we die. You'll hear us talk about God's plan for his children, especially his LGBTQ children, within that plan. So that's what we're talking about there. And finally, we'll refer to a document called The Family, A Proclamation to the World. This was a document written in the 90s by the leadership of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, outlining the importance and the role of the family in society. I'll provide a link to that in the show notes. Here we go. America has developed a culture of contempt, a habit of seeing people who disagree with us, not merely as incorrect or misguided, but as worthless. We cannot solve the challenges of our time unless we solve them together. It was an opportunity to practice empathy. There's a huge empathy deficit in our culture. We don't need to disagree less. We need to disagree better. Toward what our President Lincoln called the better angels of our nature. Well, first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for I having super me. super appreciate this it. This is fun. Yeah. So we're talking about gay issues and specifically like how to improve our conversations about these issues. Can I ask that we start just by kind of your story and tell yeah. who you are? Yeah, of course. Um, so my name's Michael. I grew up in Colorado Um, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Um, specifically about queer identity. In high school, um, I kind of had inklings that there was, you know, something different about me, but um, didn't really think about it. And when my parents brought it up, I kind of denied it. Um, And then throughout my mission, I prayed a lot about it and was hoping that the sexual attraction that I felt would kind of go away and I would be able to marry and do all of the things that a good um, LDS boy might do. Um, And after my mission, I quickly realized that I was gay. And um, 
I came back right as the Supreme Court was making its decision about gay marriage. And so the day that they came out with her decision, I just posted something on Facebook coming out as mm. queer um, because I saw a lot of members of the church who were quite angry over it. Mm. And so at that point, I was not thinking about getting married to a man, but I just wanted to say that there were members of the church who were queer. And so when other members of the church were attacking the queer community, I just said that I'm a part of that and it's painful. So yeah. since then I've been out, I guess, to everyone. Has that been like a, I imagine, and I've seen that that's kind of a huge misconception is that members of the church don't really consider that that our own brothers and sisters might be gay. Yeah, I think I, I, most um, heterosexual people automatically, I think we all do this. We just assume that everyone around us is just like us. Mm. And so members of the church automatically assume right. that I'm straight. And when I come out, they're always a little bit surprised. But now I think everyone who knows me knows that I'm gay because I talk a lot about it. So, um, how, how was that experience coming out? Was there, what were people's reactions? Um, overall, it was an extremely positive experience. Um, I, as I mentioned previously, I did not talk to my parents about it in high school. They mm -hmm. asked a couple of times um, if something was up, if something was different, and I just always denied it. I just said it was a curiosity, but that nothing was serious. And I think they were willing to accept that because at that point, none of us knew how to deal with queer identity. And so yeah. it was better just kind of sweep it under the rug and hope that it goes away. Yeah. But when I came out, um, both of my parents called me because I did it pretty publicly. It was on my Facebook page, and so lots of people saw it. Um, both of my parents called me that afternoon, and we talked about it. And they were both super supportive, and the members of my Facebook community, I guess, were very supportive for the most part. I've had a few people who have come to me with concerns or um, problems with the choices that I make, but overall it's been very positive. And I think that that's good. I think that oftentimes members of the church may struggle to accept the queer community until they know someone who is queer. Yeah. And then as soon as you know someone that you like and is queer and happy and doing good things with his or her life, then... Yeah. It's a lot it's, harder to hate the face yeah. you know, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you get a lot of people like trying to preach to you or, or concerned for your <laughs> eternal salvation? Yes, <laughs> yes. And that still happens. I sure. Within the last probably six weeks, I've kind of become more vocal um, than what I have been in the past. Um, just based on people who are coming to me and are not out of the closet and are struggling. And so I just continue to post and offer encouragement and support and thoughts about the queer community within the, the, the church. And every time I post someone, someone will message me worried about if I'm making the right choices and mm -hmm. about my eternal destiny and salvation. And I mean, if I'm being completely honest, it did bother me in the past, but now, you know, I don't think it's the right choice, but who am I to judge what they think is the right choice? And they're doing their best. They're just trying to help me. So, I mean, it, it's going to be a lot more painful if I hate them for trying to help me because, you know, they're just trying to help yeah. in whatever way they know how to. What are some of the dangers? What is it you're trying to fight as you've become more vocal? And what is it you're trying to prevent? 
Um, the biggest thing that I'm trying to prevent, I guess I'll start with that, is studies show that queer suicides, queer youth suicides in Utah are uh, really high rates. And um, much of the queer community, especially within the church, suffers from depression and anxiety. And a lot of times it may have something to do with that. So if I'm trying to prevent anything, I'm trying to prevent the pain that I felt growing up queer in the church. Um, but obviously everyone has the right to their own life and journey. Um, but if I can make that journey a little bit easier for, you know, a 13 or 14 yeah. year old who's just discovering his sexuality, then I guess it will all be worth it. What are some misconceptions that people generally have when they first meet you or first find out that you're gay? Um, I think the biggest thing is when we talk about sexual, sexual identity, queer identity, um, that does not revolve around sex, you know, sexual mm -hmm. activity. And I think that a lot of people um, worry that when I talk about being gay or bisexual or queer, I use all three of those interchangeably, mm -hmm. they automatically assume that I'm having sex, which may or may not be true. But it's important to realize that when we talk about identity as a queer person, that does not mean that we're having queer sex. Um, but affirming that identity is important whether or not you choose to have sex with Another because the identity person. is so much more yeah, than exactly. just the sex. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you about uh, terminology and what yeah. you prefer and what what kind of the hurdles there are that you've seen people try and overcome? Um, yeah, so I use he, him pronouns. Um, I, If I was going to pick a label, I would pick bisexual. I have attraction towards men and women. Um, but most often I use queer as my identity. Um, there is some debate on whether queer is a derogatory term, but I think that the, the queer community has reclaimed that and mm -hmm. it's the most inclusive because it really does try to be an umbrella identity to everyone. Okay. So I most often refer to myself as queer, okay. um, but bisexual or gay also works. Cool. I use all three of those. Why do you think queer issues are such a stumbling block for straight people, especially for people of faith, religious people? Yeah, um, I think especially because I don't know very many other Christian faiths, especially members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I think that we struggle, and I struggled when I was first coming out with this as well, um, with the belief that if someone is born gay and has a queer identity, what does that mean for the plan of salvation? What does that mean for the, the hereafter? Mm -hmm. And... Church leaders and church members have wrestled with this for decades, really, beginning in the 70s. Their church leaders have tried to understand the question of queer identity. Um, so we see in the 70s, 80s, and up until the 90s, we saw church leaders and members defending the idea that queer identity is not um, something that you're born with, it's something that you choose and that um, it can be overcome. And so that's one of the things that we continue to see in the state of Utah, which is conversion therapy. Mm -hmm. It's um, kind of a bogus form of therapy. 
it's really, really detrimental to um, queer mental health. But I'll, that was kind of promoted in the church for decades because of this belief that it was a choice, mm-hmm. which made believing in the plan of salvation easier because then you can become straight and follow the plan of salvation. Right. Within the last probably 15 years, you see church leaders affirming as best they can the idea of queer identity mm-hmm. um, and talking about after this life that will be changed and you'll become straight. Um, personally, I don't believe that's true. Um, that is maybe a better take and a less painful story to tell queer people, but I, I still think that they're wrestling with the idea of how this all works out in the plan of salvation. And so that's why it's such a struggle because if someone is born queer, then how does that work into the plan of God? And I think that can probably be said of many Christian faiths. Yeah. In 2012, Charlie Craig and David Mullins visited a cake shop in Lakewood, Colorado to look for a wedding cake. The shop owner, Jack Phillips, declined their request, stating that although they were welcome to purchase any of the other baked goods in the store, he was unwilling to create a cake specifically for a same-sex wedding. Again, this was in 2012, and at the time, Colorado did not recognize same-sex marriage. Although Colorado is a state that includes sexual orientation as a protected class in their anti-discrimination laws. Anyway, this became a very public court case, eventually reaching the Supreme Court in 2018. We didn't really get a clear-cut answer from the Supreme Court on whether religious liberty included the right to deny a cake for a same-sex wedding. They merely overrode the lower court's decision against the cake shop, saying that the courts had acted with hostility towards Jack's religion. So I'd love to get your thoughts, Michael, on this balance between religious liberty and anti-discrimination laws. So for me, the question is not the question of religious rights versus queer or LGBTQ rights. Mm -hmm. I think it's if a person has the right to discriminate. And we aren't in this country given the right to discriminate Mm -hmm. against any group of people. Um, And we can talk about it being a religious right, but when we look at scriptural accounts, there's no scripture account that says that you can't sell things to Mm -hmm. someone who's not a member of your community, whether that be a, a member of the queer community. And so it's not really a religious right to not be or to refuse someone's service because you disagree with their lifestyle. Um, that's really the right of discrimination, which we mm-hmm. aren't given right. in this country. Yeah. Maybe in other countries you can discriminate, yeah. and that's a right of the government, but not in not in the United States. One one question I have with that, and this is kind of what I've thought about this, but I again love your thoughts. Um, what if it's an event that they're choosing not to support? So is the gay or is the baker choosing not to support or provide a cake for a gay wedding? And is that different than refusing service to a gay person? Does that make sense? Yeah, I... I is there or should there be a difference? I think you could say that there is a difference, Um but I don't know if that difference is all that valid. I mm-hmm. I just don't see, I mean, we're talking about Christian values. I just do not see a place where Christ taught 
that we should avoid certain groups of people. Mm-hmm. If anything, Christ taught that we should go to the people who are different from us and the people who maybe aren't always accepted by the church. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have grown up as a member of a Christian faith all my life. Um, and so I can understand that struggle. And I I do understand where they're coming from and how painful it can be to see someone who you see is living in sin. Um, but if Christ taught us anything, it's to be with those sinners. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there is maybe a difference, but um, that the difference isn't valid okay. per se. Yeah. If that I makes have, sense. Yeah, I think so. Um, one more question, like to frame this, maybe flipping it. Yeah. What if there were was a, a singer who was hired to sing at an event that was anti-LGBTQ and they chose not to because they didn't want to participate in that event. Mm-hmm. Is that different? Is that similar? Um, I think it's different in that a gay marriage, a gay wedding is not anti-anyone. You know, mm-hmm. when you if, if you've ever gone to a gay wedding, which there are not that many in Utah, <laughs> uh-huh. um, but if you have ever gone, I mean, they're not saying we hate straight people, you know, Whereas if you were to go to an anti-LGBTQ event, it would be we hate or we discriminate against yeah. a certain group of right. people. So I think there is a difference. Um, there is no gay agenda to make everyone gay or to hate all the street people. Um, <laughs> I, the, <laughs> I, do have, I laugh at that because I've often like, I love when people use the word agenda because yeah. it's it's like... Everybody has goals, but if it's the goals of your opponent, it's an agenda, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's just a, such a dirty word. But I did laugh because when I messaged you about this, you said, oh, I'd love to come on and spread the gay agenda. <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> and I, I knew what you meant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. one of the biggest things that I get when people talk to me who are straight is that I am spreading some gay agenda. Mm-hmm. And I've been queer for 25 years and no one has told me what the gay agenda is. <laughs> but yeah, I do joke about that a lot. That's funny. Are there other aspects of this that you've that you wish we would address more that more people would talk about? Um, yeah, getting into more specific things, I think, especially as members of the church, if you look at the way that they talk about um, queer members or the queer members of the church that are featured, um, you see a lot of white, gay, young men. That is kind of the the go-to. And kind I think when people talk about, you know, gays, they think of white, young men. Mm-hmm. Like that is the the overwhelming majority of people that you see in the public light. But um, there are so many groups. There are um, lesbians, there's women, there's people of co- color, there are transgender members of the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can all, especially me as a member of that community and as someone who has a voice, we can all do a better job of finding the people who are even marginalized within a marginalized community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm and give them a voice and give them an opportunity to be protected and to to talk about the experience that they have. Because uh, a transgender person 
a person of color is going to have such a different experience than me, mm-hmm. even though we're members of the same queer community. Right. So that that is something that I have really tried to work on is finding people who are different from me, even within this community where we are seen as different in some way. Yeah. Are there specific things that members can do if, if somebody's listening to this and they think, oh, I'd love to get more involved or, or learn more? What would you suggest? Uh, yeah, so if you want to learn more, um, Richard Osler has a podcast that's called... Uh, Listen, Learn, Love? Yes. It's three L words. <laughs> I'll link uh, to it in the yeah, show yeah. notes. And we'll, we'll make sure we're not lying to you uh, right now. Yeah, he has, I mean, hundreds of mm-hmm. um, video or podcasts with people who are in the queer community. Um, and he's done a really good job about talking about different issues and having people with different perspectives on his podcast. So if you want to learn more, I think that that is a great place to start. Um, if you want to do more, then seek out the people who are queer in your community, in your congregation, or um, in social media, and just be really affirming. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that um, straight members can do is to affirm someone's identity. So if you have a a member of the youth or even a child that comes to you and says, I'm bisexual or I'm gay or I'm queer or I'm transgender, just affirm them, just affirm that that's what they're feeling and if it develops into something different, um, then that is, um, that's totally fine. But if you affirm them in that moment, you're really giving them the space to continue to explore and discover and um, become more comfortable in their skin. It can be really scary to come out and not feel that affirming um, love from other people. So just affirm and love and then ask what you can do to help. Ask the people who you see who are struggling, what you can do to help them. I think that's the best way to to get involved. Can I ask about your kind of current understanding of the plan of salvation? And you mentioned kind of how we've talked about it in the past. Where do you think we're at today with that? The church does not have an official stance on what will happen to queer members or the queer community after this life. Many leaders have talked about um, in the resurrection or at some point we will be changed, our identity will be changed so that we become straight. Um, that is not something that I agree with. That's mm-hmm. not something that I feel is true. I, and I don't think that many members of the queer community feel that's true. Most, if not all of us, feel that our queer identity is part of who we are just as much as our gendered identity, so um, whether we are male or female or non-binary, um, all of those things, whether the color of our skin, our race or ethnicity, those are part of our identity. And the queer identity feels just as real to us. And so saying that after this life that will be changed and we will suddenly become straight feels painful mm-hmm. because it's taking away a part of us Um, I don't see queer identity as a trial in this life. The trial I see is being part of a group of people that are pushed to the side, are attacked, and the attacks are becoming less and less, especially within the church. Um, But the trial is not being queer. That's not, you know, that's not something that I struggle with. Being Mm -hmm. queer is just who I am. 
So my understanding of the plan of salvation is not much. I don't know if God has revealed everything that will happen to all of us. And that's fine. I'm fine to wait until he reveals what the truth of everyone's path will be. Um, I, I do believe that I will continue to be queer after this life and that right now church leaders are wrong on this topic. That's okay. They've been wrong before. God will reveal the truth in his time. What we can do right now is just learn to love and accept people as they are and wherever they are, um, whether they stay in the church or choose to leave the church because of the pain that they feel. Um, God will help us all in the end, is my thoughts. What are some of the things, if we're talking about the conversation around queer identities, um, what are some of the things that hinder conversation the most that we should really try and avoid? Um, I think this goes both ways, both members of the Christian faith or the members of the church and the queer community. Um, When we're unwilling to just love people and just accept them as they are. Um, It's really hard as a member of the queer community to accept someone who's homophobic, but there are places that I need to improve as well. If we're unwilling to meet people where they are on both sides, um, then that is going to hinder the conversation. And obviously you don't want to put yourself in situations where you're going to feel attacked Mm -hmm. or hated. But if you can find people who may be open to change and accept them where they are, but be willing to teach them where you're coming from Mm -hmm. um, and being open to change and to see different perspectives, um, I think that's going to help more than anything. I think that I... You shared with me something that you had written about not coming from a Mm winner-take-all. I think that people who have a Christian belief and members of the queer community can live side by side happily, even if they don't agree on everything. Mm. Because if one group wins, that doesn't mean that the other group loses. Right. Um, But if you force someone to lose, then in the end you're losing as well, because you are losing the opportunity to know that that group and love that person. Mm -hmm. I want to get your thoughts on a line in the family proclamation Mm -hmm. that for me... My my thinking has changed on this over the years, but I, I did want to ask about it. Yeah. It's like one of the last ones, and it says something about uh, we urge members to support those measures that would uh, protect the family as the fundamental unit of society, right? And for me, for a while, that was one of the things I would look at and say, does this play into the the question of, uh, gay rights and and what am I to do with this line? Yeah. What are your thoughts? I think, and th- this is something that um, I think the church continues to struggle with, um, and they really struggled as the there was a number of states that were adopting different measures on um, gay marriage, and the Supreme Court was making its decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that if you allow a queer person to have the joy of a family, you are diminishing your own joy in your heterosexual marriage. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. 
So just because you allow two queer people to marry as they choose, that doesn't make your marriage any less valid or worthy. We can choose to believe whatever we want to believe about marriages that are not done in the temple or are done in the temple after this life. But I think there is no harm in letting people decide to have a relationship and to build a family um, if it's not a heterosexual marriage. Cool. What are you, what's your thoughts? Um, right now, I think my perspective on it is, you know, the law of the land is that people can get married, that gay people can get married. And at this point, I think it goes back to, like you were saying, trying to prevent uh, teen suicides and and making everyone feel loved. To me, that's how I look at it now, is that keeping families together means keeping our, our queer teens alive, you know, yeah. and keeping them within our families and keeping our families together, not letting this issue divide us. Yeah. That's kind of where I come from now. Are there any other issues that, that you've seen kind of on a nationwide level or on a, on a community level that you'd like to address? I am not the right person to speak about this, but I'm going to speak up because <laughs> I do have a voice. Yeah. Um, but I am not educated enough or a part of this community. But there are transgender um, people of color who are being attacked and killed in the United States. It's one of the most marginalized groups mm-hmm. in the United States. And the queer community and the community overall in general is not doing enough for these people who are being attacked and killed. I think we all have the moral obligation to help people who are being killed because of the color of their skin and the way that they identify. And that is one of the groups that is still being attacked. Uh, I just read as um, I was thinking about this this morning, a transgender woman of color um, was at a pride celebration at Stonewall where really the the entire pride movement began and she um, stood up and started reading names of transgender um, people of color who had been killed in the last mm. year and got the cops called on her because she was ruining, ruining the fun for people who were trying to drink or whatever they were doing at Stonewall. I just think that's that's morally wrong. We need to be protecting people who are not protected still. Once we have our protection as queer members, we need to go out and find those who aren't. Um, And so that's something I feel really passionate about. Um, But obviously I am not transgender or a person of color. So, (laughs) but I can use my voice and I think we all need to use our voices to protect these people who are still being attacked and still being, um, discriminated and even killed because of the way that they identify. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This is kind of a pivot now then to go from that. I call this, I've got good news and I've got good news. (laughs) (laughs) So what's going on in the world that you, that you really want to shout out? Um, Yeah. You had asked me to prepare something. And so I was trying to think of good news. I think that there is lots of good news um, within the queer community Um, We have a gay man who is running for the um, president of the United States, which is really exciting. I think that there are many people in elected offices 
um, and who are running for elected offices that are really trying to um, protect and help the the queer community, which is amazing. Um, and I think that one of the most important things that we're seeing right now, and I know that there's a lot of members of the church who feel strongly against this, but I think we are seeing more um, queer-based storylines in the media that we're consuming, mm. and I think that's really important. Um, I think it's important to see healthy queer relationships and different queer identities. And so um, two shows that I would recommend. Um, one is a comedy that is a little off-color, so if you don't like swearing, I would not watch it. Um, but it's called Shit's Creek. It's on um, Netflix. It's great. It has a lot of different things, but it has a really strong queer storyline, which I think is important to see. And then the other one, um, talking about transgender people of color, is a show called Pose mm. um, that's on Netflix. Just the first season is on Netflix, and there's more seasons on FX, I think. Well, that's a really good show to um, talk about. A, a culture that, when we're talking about straight or gay white boys... Mm-hmm. Um, that, it kind of breaks that mold. Yeah, it breaks that mold. So those are two things that I think are really exciting, and they are developing a different conversation for queer youth, queer people who are growing up right now. For mine, I actually, I should have looked this up better before. Do you know much about Encircle? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll have, <laughs> I'm just going to make you talk about this then. I just think Encircle is a really cool organization here in Provo that's doing a lot of good. Yeah, they um, just opened up a new house in Salt Lake. Oh, okay. Um, they are doing a lot of good things. They um, are trying to help queer youth as best they can. Um, I think that they are trying their best with limited resources. Um, one of the biggest things that um, queer youth need is counseling. I think that most, if not all, queer youth and young adults and adults, everyone, I think everyone should be in therapy of some sort. <laughs> Well, that's just my opinion. Um, unfortunately, they disbanded their therapy unit, mm. um, and that's really unfortunate. I th- I hope that they can get funding, or there can be a new organization with plenty of funding, um, so that queer youth have the opportunity to get the counseling and therapy that ne- they need, so they can live happy lives. Cool. Yeah, I'll put links to those too yeah. in the show notes, and and yeah, and circle is great. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and doing this. Thank I you. Super this has been appreciate fun. it. I love talking about myself. So <laughs> <laughs> this has been very fun. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, it's your host, Bryson. I didn't have a listener message to play this week, which means the only thing we're missing in this podcast is your voice. So remember, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, ideally, there's two things I'm looking for in these messages. Either your opinion on one of these conversations that we've had, um, or if you've tried any of the tips and tricks we've talked about, we would love to hear about your experiences. Thanks. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining our experiment in Better Conversations. Uh, Leave us a review on iTunes, as that really helps this podcast be seen by more people. And you can check out the show notes at elephantdialogues.com. Now go out and have your own conversations and then call us and tell us how it went. You can send those messages to elephantdialogues at gmail.com. Thanks. Thanks.